Hello, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Um, Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me this week. This is the second episode of the new season. Uh, I'm really enjoying getting back into the swing of things with the podcast. Um, I think kind of one of my prayers is that this would be a good place uh, to stop in kind of along the way and hear something helpful that'll um, help us keep faith together. Um, speaking of keeping faith together, uh, it's, it's kind of cool things that come out of your community just kind of on accident. Uh, a few days ago, a friend from church who was waiting on some medical reports uh, to come back posted this little C.S. Lewis quote about how anxiety is not a sin, but uh, an affliction. It may be a pain that isn't really the result of personal sin, and I realize that um, I rarely hear people talk about our sufferings being a way that we share in Jesus's sufferings. But it comes up in the New Testament, you know, a fair amount. Um, it's kind of funny to think that as Jesus entered into our cares through His compassion, that we're called to enter into His cares. It sounds funny to say that we ought to have compassion on Jesus. But it kind of helps me to think of it in those terms. Um, you know, I, I want the things that pain him to pain me. Um, so I was thankful for that little quote, and I thought, maybe this week I'll spend a little time thinking about that on the, on the episode. So I'll do that, and then I'll close this out by reading um, the text of a hymn by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And lastly, um, thanks to Sarah for leaving a review on last week's episode. I really appreciate that. That was encouraging. Um, If you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and uh, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, Reviews somehow make the podcast more easily visible to other people, makes it easier to find. And, And then, as always, the text from this episode's essay is available along with any linked material, including books mentioned. All that is at my website, matthewclark.net slash 1000 words. 1000 words is all spelled out, no spaces. So that said, uh, here is this week's episode, Anxiety and Sharing in Christ's Suffering. I was encouraged to read a C.S. Lewis quote this last week that Dan, a friend from church, posted. Lewis says that some people feel guilty about their anxieties and regard them as a defect of faith. I don't agree at all. They are afflictions, not sins. Like all afflictions, they are, if we can so take them, our share in the passion of Christ. I'll start with a confession. I'm easily overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I often compare myself to others who seem to be able to accomplish a great deal of wonderful things. They bear much fruit, I think. I feel like a couple of measly coins the widow tossed into the temple coffers because that's all she had to give. I was very encouraged to read the record of Jesus' response 
to that widow's gift in the Gospel of Luke this morning, because I feel like whatever I give, it's just not all that much. I'm amazed to watch men and women raising children, working normal day jobs, and by all appearances, seeming to hold it all together well enough. Even those ordinary accomplishments seem to me at times overwhelming. Even in the best of times when I am feeling encouraged and motivated, I feel that my capacity is very small. My life is relatively simple, but not by any real moral effort, but by necessity. I have a real difficulty keeping up with much more than a few things at a time. Sometimes I feel frail and anxious. This Sunday, the preacher mentioned Isaiah 42.3, a prophecy about Jesus the Messiah, saying, A crushed reed he will not break, a dim wick he will not extinguish. I feel like a dim wick, faintly clinging to a little flicker of light as opposed to a blazing hearth. Or instead of a bloom-laden bush, I feel like a blade of grass crumpled on the ground. What a tender assurance the Old Testament offers. The Messiah is interested in tending very carefully and patiently those who are barely hanging on. I find it interesting that Jesus' own earthly ministry was surprisingly small and fraught with anxiety and frustration. I would expect, maybe like his own people expected, of the Messiah to come, that he would wrestle the Roman Empire, do something really big, make a name for himself and his people, that he'd take on the world, and all of this without breaking a sweat. Of course, Jesus did take on the world, the whole cosmos, in fact, while breaking out in both sweat and blood. But strangely, he pulled off the biggest job ever by living a small, obscure life by being a man of sorrows, Scripture says. Honestly, I can't always make sense of how that works. But it gives me hope. It gives me hope that the marketeers, the smiling self-help gurus, and those keeping an eye on the profit margins and customer accounts are all having their attention occupied by some sleight of hand. The real magic cannot be accounted for by any measures mankind has come up with. Jesus is doing something alien, unrecognizable to us as good, at least at first glance. We're distracted by big capacities, and Jesus seems too small somehow. But in his kingdom, the small will be big, and the big will be small. My friend Bubba says, Jesus' kingdom will never make sense. To anyone in this world because his kingdom is not from this world. I just saw Joy Clarkson post a quote from George Eliot's Middlemarch saying that the growing hood of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half-owning to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. P. 
People do, of course, visit possible sites of Jesus' tomb, though he is not hidden there or in any tomb. Proverbs 25.2 says it is the glory of God to hide a matter, and to look for it is the glory of kings. He is hidden in us, even as we are hidden in him. But being hidden in Jesus, apparently, does not mean that anxiety, sorrow, and the overwhelming feeling of smallness and weakness cannot find us. It may mean that when they do, it's because they found Jesus first. Do you remember that feeling from your childhood of walking down a dark hallway some night you couldn't sleep? and being sure a shadowy power was on your heels and wanting to just make a run for it. What do we do with the anxiety we feel? It is real, after all. It was real for Jesus. What do we do when there really does seem to be some monster at our heels in the hallway at night? The same one that dogged Jesus' ministry and finally caught up with him on his cross. What about feeling so easily overwhelmed? Again, Lewis said that the anxiety isn't a defect of faith, but an affliction and a means of sharing in Christ's suffering. So on some level we can bear the suffering knowing the suffering itself is proof of our deepening involvement with Jesus, not a sign of his distance from us. Maybe to know that is enough. Maybe it's enough to know that no apprentice is greater than their master, and if Jesus suffered, so will we. Not because something's wrong, but because we're trying to do something right. I recently joined a gym, and I'm trying to exercise regularly. A lot of the time, it's unpleasant. My muscles are sore, and the gym fees are not cheap. But the reason for the unpleasantness is the result of healthy choice-making. Jesus certainly suffered incredible anxiety, sorrow, and physical pain because he chose to do the right thing, to love us to the full, to the very end. Of course, some of our suffering will be because of our own sins, but not all of it. Others sin against us, and that hurts. And creation itself is groaning with frustration and disease. But, in a culture so very uncomfortable with discomfort, it's easy to feel a lot of shame about our own suffering. Interestingly, Jesus, in his otherworldly compassion, enters this world and offers companionship in suffering. He doesn't always solve it or simply smooth it over with acceptance. He gives it dignity by personally joining us in our pain. In a bizarre twist, Jesus seems to be saying, When you suffer, you get a taste of what it feels like to be me. Just as I know by my suffering what it feels like to be you. close us out this week, 
Um, I found this hymn by Oliver Wendell Holmes. I've never read it before, but I really like the way that he talks about God's nearness in our dread, um, in our fear, in all of our living and dying. Um, I have no idea what the music to this hymn sounds like, so I'm I'm just going to read it and let that be kind of a closing prayer for us. O love divine, that stooped to share our sharpest pang, our bitterest tear, on thee we cast each earth-born care. We smile at pain while thou art near. Though long the weary way we tread and sorrow crown each lingering year, no path we shun, no darkness dread, our hearts still whispering, thou art near. When drooping pleasure turns to grief and trembling faith is turned to fear, the murmuring wind, the quivering leaf, shall softly tell us, Thou art near. On Thee we fling our burdening woe, O love divine forever dear, content to suffer, while we know, living and dying, Thou art near. Uh, that's all for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if this podcast is you know, encouraging or um, helpful in some way, please share it with your friends or spread the word on Facebook or Instagram. That would be really helpful. And you can follow me on Instagram if you want, if you're on Instagram. My handle is at MatthewClarkNet, all one word. Cool. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week.